the last few episodes I've released on the podcast have sort of rekindled in me a desire to speak on some of the things that I think differentiates nursing from other health disciplines like medicine, and not merely from a place of our functional roles in the current healthcare system. Partly because this current healthcare system is not the only possible way of conceiving the implementation of a healthcare system, and largely wasn't really born of a system per se. It sort of fell into place from some primordial hierarchies that are sort of a vestige of an antiquated way of doing things. And that isn't really what I'd like to talk about today. What I want to talk about a little bit more is fleshing out this question I started to bring up last year on the podcast, which is how do we define nursing and how do we relate that to other healthcare disciplines from a kind of discriminant validity perspective. And why, again, you know, one of the more recent episodes that I released just the other day was about why this is important. And so this, I'm not going to rehash the same arguments here because I've already argued for why this is a crucial endeavor, why it's so important for us to maintain our unique identity. But now that I've made the case for why it's important to maintain our unique identity, I think it's also important to revisit the question I brought up last year, which is, what is unique about what we do, and how do we differentiate ourselves from other disciplines? And so, it just so happens that my best friend is a marital and family therapist, and we've had many very interesting conversations over the last decade or more. At this point, I think we've been close friends for like 13 years, and best friends for 12 of them. <laughs> and uh, in all the time I've known her, we've had a multiplicity of conversations about how her discipline of couples counseling, which is her domain of expertise in dyadic relationships, how it overlaps and is distinct from things like social work or counseling in other domains and psychology or you know, clinical psychology, counseling, psychology, psychiatry. And, uh, you know, the, the mental health space is an interesting one to consider because, and, you know, for those of you who not, who don't live in that world, you know, I did research in psychiatry for, I don't know, five years with uh, the research center, the implementa Implementation Science Research Center at UMass. And while I was there, I learned a lot about psychiatry and how the rehabilitation psychiatry model is different from the so the kind of standard psychiatric approach to mental health care in the United States and most Western countries. And I always thought that was kind of interesting because I just assumed that psychiatry is psychiatry is psychiatry, right? Um, nonetheless, there are some unique differences in kind of the subclassifications of psychiatry, just as there are unique elements of different forms of medicine. But the reason I bring it up here in this context is, imagine that you are trying to find a therapist. I'm going to kind of shift gears and presuppose you're not a professional, but instead you're a client seeking services. And you don't know who to go to, but you assume that what you need is somebody who can practice psychotherapy. So you look online and you find that, well, as it turns out, psychotherapy can be administered or delivered, depending on your viewpoint, through pastoral counselors, 
licensed professional counselors, mental health counselors, social workers, which can be a clinical social work assistance working with a licensed social worker. They can be a licensed independent clinical social worker or an LICSW in the United States. In certain parts, that's like the highest license that a social worker can achieve. And their job looks in many ways indistinguishable from a clinical or counseling psychologist, with the exception of doing certain things like forensic or neuropsychological examinations. But from a psychotherapeutic perspective, it's all very similar in some ways. Then there are licensed marital and family therapists who do couples and family work. Then there are clinical and counseling psychologists. There are psychiatric nurses and nurse practitioners. There are, and of course you might say, well, psych nurses can't do psychotherapy. Well, it depends on how you define psychotherapy. If you mean motivational interviewing, cognitive restructuring, and counseling, absolutely they can. If you mean um, using cognitive and behavioral therapy for the purpose of diagnosing and treating a mental disorder, no, they can't. That's the domain of the psychiatric nurse practitioner and the psychiatrist and the psychologist, right? So continuing on, or and and other people who have a license to practice at the clinical level, um, at the advanced clinical level in mental health, such as LICSWs and, and more. So anyway, the point is, you have this domain where you're seeking a psychotherapist, and you have your pick from psychiatry, uh, psychiatric nursing, psychology, social work, marital and family therapy, clinical counseling, pastoral counseling. Where do you start? And then, of course, there are rehabilitation counselors, which are a slightly different domain, actually, but they can also do psychotherapeutic interventions. And it's an overwhelming thing from the perspective of the individual client trying to seek services. And then you add in the complexity of like, well, do I need medication? And if so, you know, which are the people that do medication management? Some people don't realize that it's just the psychiatry domain and psychiatric nursing domain that do that. So long story short, I was bringing this up in the context of how these different disciplines differentiate themselves from each other with my best friend from the perspective that she has as a an expert relational therapist from an MFT background. And the question I posed was sort of, you know, given that there's so much overlap in role functions and role delineations on this sort of pragmatic scale are, are difficult to tease apart and disentangle. How do you distinguish what you do as being different than what, say, a counseling you know, a clinical counselor or a counseling psychologist or a social worker does. Because there are clinical mental health programs, for example, that you can get an LMHC license after and practice at the advanced clinical mental health level, which allows you to do family and couple counseling. And it's fair to ask yourself whether there are really any unique functions between a licensed marital and family therapist trained from an MFT perspective and somebody trained from an LMHC perspective or an LPC perspective or a social work perspective. 
And I thought the answer that she gave was illuminating, not just in the space of mental health, but also in the space of this question as it pertains to medicine and nursing. Last year and in prior episodes, when I've brought up this distinguishing uh, kind of these distinguishing components between medicine and nursing, not that it always has to be medicine and nursing, there are interesting parallels, for example, between nursing diagnoses and physical therapy diagnoses and how they they relate to each other and to medical diagnoses. Um, because nursing and physical therapy diagnoses are both process-based, whereas medical diagnoses are discrete categorical classification schemes, uh, which is actually part of what I'd like to talk about. But backing up for a second, the answer that my friend gave, as always, because she's brilliant, had to do with what are the frameworks for your training and education and how are they different? Because even if a technique overlaps in the role function domain, where that technique is being applied in the context of the framework it's being applied within and the outcomes for which you're aiming at by the use of that technique embedded within the context of that framework make these things distinguishable from each other. So for example, a marital and family therapist of my friend's stature has had their training in family systems theory. And family systems theory has its own conceptual framework that is distinct from a sort of traditional, let's say, cognitive psychological component that a clinical psychologist might imbibe. And and that's interesting, because if the framework underlying the practice is distinguishable and has different objectives and contextualizes the client's picture in a very different way, even if the clinical psychologist and the family therapist are both using something like a cognitive behavioral therapy or a psychodynamic psychotherapy, you are going to be aiming at two different things. So for example, my friend is interested in how two individuals in a dyadic relationship that it, it's committed and intimate with each other, how they align over time on long time scales. And <clears throat> it's this idea, this complex idea of this interconnected picture of longitudinal alignment that she's more interested in with respect to the couple. But her use of cognitive restructuring, motivational interviewing, and other advanced clinical techniques in the context of psychotherapy is really geared toward trying to facilitate enhanced awareness and insight for the sake of improving alignment over time. However, that looks for the, you know, the couple or the family. Whereas the clinical psychologist is oriented toward using similar techniques of, let's say, motivational interviewing, cognitive restructuring, and cognitive behavioral therapy, just as a few examples, even if the techniques are largely similar, because the framework in which they're embedded and the goals for which they're being used are different from the family therapist, as in my friend's case, the goal in the clinical psychologist's case or the psychiatrist's case is to treat a discrete mental illness and or relieve symptoms of that mental illness. 
And that's a very different picture. So my friend, being the brilliant woman that she is, also mentioned a really, really insightful way of thinking about this. She said, imagine you have a blank canvas, and you begin to paint a picture, and you use a very different foundation at the base level for this painting, maybe even a completely different style of paint or different textures, and then you're layering on that painting. And not only are you aiming to paint a slightly different picture, maybe a vastly different picture, depending on what the objective is, you're sure you're painting. You might even be using similar techniques to paint. But the layering and the base foundation of your painting and the goal of where your painting will end up mean that at the end, these two works of art, both valuable in their own ways, might look extraordinarily different. Even if you can look at the paintings and see reminiscences of things that overlap in methodology or strategy or tactics, the emergent epiphenomenal components of the art that comes out of those two pictures are rather easily distinguishable. So there's a famous quote by, I bring her up a lot, but by Donna Deers, a famous nurse who was the dean at the Yale School of Nursing at one point and has since passed. She wrote one of my favorite books on nursing called Speaking of Nursing, which I really recommend that other novice nurses read as they enter the profession. There are some significant things in that book that I now have come to realize I disagree strongly with, this being one of them. However, I think that she is recognized as being famous for saying these types of of things. So Donna Deers used to say, nobody can define what nursing is, but everybody knows it when they see it. And there's something resonant about this, because if you, let's say you go into a hospital or a clinic, you know who the nurse is by virtue of watching them practice nursing. And you know how to distinguish them between the physicians, for example. And it's pretty readily apparent, even though you cannot necessarily describe their role, their function, etc., and some of the things that are, I would say, a lot of the, the different underlying elements of the constitution of the different frameworks that underlie these professions are implicit and not explicit and not easily made explicit, they're still different from one another, and it's still, for some reason, readily apprehendable by our senses. We are able to grasp it in real time, like, oh, okay, this person's practicing nursing. And then if somebody were to come and ask you, well, what does it mean to practice nursing? You'd be stumped at first. And, you know, or you would say something off the cuff that's a trope, and somebody could question it and say, well, are you sure that's not also something medicine does? And they'd go, hmm, I guess you have a good point. And that's what happens. That's what happened to me, for example, where you start to respond to people who say, well, what does it mean to practice nursing? And you say the common tropes of, you know, it's a holistic way of, you know, implementing healthcare across the continuum of the lifespan, yada, 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 humanizing healthcare, whatever. 
And they're all important conceptualizations of nursing practice. But it is interesting, as soon as somebody starts to kind of combat that and ask, well, help me understand this better. Please clarify how that's distinct from something that medicine does. And you go, oh, <laughs> let me see. Well, I guess medicine does some of this stuff too. And there's some overlap. But I think that this example of the mental health practice of my friend who's a, a marital and family therapist, as compared to, say, a clinical psychologist or psychiatrist, is actually emblematic of this. And apologies for the noises outside. It's actually a nice 60-degree day outside today in the Northeast in mid-November. Um, but yes, I think that this this issue of what is the distinguishing factors between, say, marital and family therapy and other types of clinical counseling in the mental health space is exactly emblematic of this, because there's so much role overlap that it's almost indistinguishable from a clinical mental health and behavioral health component when you're looking from the outside in. But when you're inside the practice, there are implicit differences, but the differences are not so much in the tactics or the strategies per se, although I guess strategies are broader and are typically different throughout the different disciplines. But many of the techniques and tactics, rather, overlap tremendously and might not even be differentiable at all from one another. Because cognitive therapy is cognitive therapy is cognitive therapy, hypothetically, and motivational interviewing techniques are designed to be kind of secularly applied across different health disciplines altogether by different licensed professionals. It is one of those things that these tactics look virtually identical on the surface, but if they are in service of an underlying conceptual framework which is distinct and unique, and the goals of applying them within that framework show that they're leading to an outcome that's quite different from another area, even if the tactics or techniques overlap, even if they overlap so much that it's hard to tell the difference, there's still a detectable difference because the outcome is different and the underlying, underpinning, undergirding conceptual framework is different. So I think this is a really interesting thing when you frame it in the face of something like, well, what is the difference between nursing and medicine if nurses implement medical care a lot of the times and have to know similar information to be able to do their daily work from fields such as biology, chemistry, physics, psychology. And I would say, because the underlying conceptual frameworks of nursing and medicine are different, and they're predicated on different philosophical epistemologies, you implicitly get different canvases on which you layer paint in unique and novel ways. Even if some of the tactics and techniques are similar, the strategies and overarching directions and outcomes are quite different. And in the case of nursing versus medicine, for example, medicine is predicated on a scientific realist model of epistemic knowledge. Nursing is based on an ethical mode of knowing and a phenomenological way of knowing, in addition to a kind of post-positivist empirical way of knowing. 
And these are slightly different frameworks, and in some ways, philosophically, completely distinct ways of conceptualizing scientific methodologies and the scientific enterprise as a whole across the two different disciplines. But it also leads to very different value systems. The values of nursing are person-centered. Now, the values of specific physicians might also be person-centered. Here's a great example. Palliative care medicine. Palliative care physicians are a beautiful example of the kind of physician who orients themselves toward the goals and values of the patient and centers the person and their family and their community at the center of the network and considers themselves a consultant to that network, as opposed to the captain of the ship, the one who sets the values, who sets the bar, who decides what's important. And of course, there are other, many other physicians from different specialties who behave and think in this way, who are not of the sort of prototypical, you know, captain of the ship mindset. But it's uncommon. And this is a good example of when I made last year's post about this notion of overlapping probability distributions, there there is a kind of probability density function you could apply to both domains, and they both overlap in this bimodal way, nursing and medicine, that is, in a lot of these higher-order domains. But at the means and at the extremes, these two sets of professionals differ significantly And the reason they differ significantly is because of the canvas on which they are working. Because the canvas is set forth, so to speak, I know this is metaphorical, but the canvas exists atop a metaphysical and epistemic foundation, which begins with two very distinct sets of philosophical presuppositions. That is the the kind of beginning of why these two fields are so different. And then you have the outcomes, which are, on the medical side, the outcome is straightforward, and it is to identify and eradicate named human diseases. And on the nursing side, it sometimes is a little bit more amorphous and process-based, but essentially boils down to helping a person in living, healing, and dying— And that often means centering the individual's quality of life above all else. But that that whole process entails something quite different from the ethical domain that underlies the practice in comparison to medicine. There is an overlap, but there are many myriad ways in which these two domains split from each other and branch away depending on the value system that comes into play with particular clinical and contextual questions. So if we think about medicine and nursing as beginning from two different canvases and like a piece of beautiful artwork, layering different kinds of paint in a different process across a different set 
of axioms and ending with a result that you can see similarities when you examine it, but on the whole, when you step back and look at the two pictures, they seem quite distinct and are readily apparent and accessible by the naked eye. I think that analogy is a wonderful one when you consider how much sense it makes in relationship to this idea of how do we differentiate nursing from medicine. People think about this question too much from the standpoint of what are the role functions and role delineations that differ between the two professions, as opposed to what are the underlying metaphysical and epistemological foundations that differ? What are the process-based ways they differ as we are trying to set forth on the path to enacting the strategies embedded within these two sets of practices? And then what are the outcomes of those processes? Importantly as well is that the goal of nursing is to enhance an individual's well-being, self-management skills, and quality of life overall, to humanize healthcare experiences for the sick and injured, and to implement care for individuals who are unable to do so for themselves. Those are the outcomes of nursing. The outcomes and the goals of medicine are to successfully identify and treat or eradicate or cure disease. But disease is a construct, which is that which we've identified and labeled. And there, I'm not suggesting that these are unreal things, but the categories we put them in are oftentimes loosely defined. This becomes more of an issue in the psychosocial domain with mental diseases, for example, mental disorders or psychosocial health conditions. But nonetheless, despite how far you go down into the sort of biomedical well toward the more biochemical, ignoring the fact that the evidence for a lot of our named diseases are still evolving because of advancing research and laboratory techniques, the fact that we discretize data and provide it a name is precisely definitional of the medical process. The medicalization of healthcare is to discretize otherwise continuous data in terms of a categorical classification scheme and provide that with a label and then treat that label. So in speaking of something like psychiatry, that's actually a, a pretty good example here because we know that mental illnesses tend to fall along the spectrum of normal human personality, but they tend to be extremes of normal human personality. For example, obsessive compulsive disorder can be conceptualized in terms of extremely high levels of conscientiousness in terms of normal personality variants. If you are extraordinarily low in agreeableness and also somewhat high in extroversion, you're more likely to be somewhat psychopathic. And you can do this sort of variance on this theme with, with regard to personality and psychopathology across different domains. 
And it, but it's not just at the lexical level, it's at the genetic level, because there are no genes short of schizophrenia, uh, short of the genes that encode for schizophrenia, rather, that encode for specific mental illnesses. There are genes that encode for personality that give rise to similar health conditions when taken at their extremes. And so that's very interesting, because what it tells you is that there is a continuous process underlying even the biology of these health conditions that we've given discrete categorical names to, labels, and again, we've discretized continuous data to be able to say, this is X condition, we're going to treat it with Y therapy. That could be pharmacological therapy, could be drug therapy, uh, it could be, I mean, uh, procedural therapy, rather, it could be psychotherapeutic. But no matter what technique we're using to try to intervene, this intervention is predicated on labeling or diagnosing a named disease. So that's the identification of disease component, and then treating that disease or disorder. So the entirety of medicine is predicated on identifying and labeling something, and then treating that diagnosis. If the diagnosis is accurate in the sense that the underpinning science demonstrates that this is actually a real phenomenon and that the evidence for the therapeutic exists and that it works, which is usually a stretch in biomedicine, but we do have some very important therapies that do in fact work quite well and are efficacious and effective, then it makes sense that we can conceptualize health and illness in these sort of discretized ways and then treat those things. But there's also a process-based way to treat those same conditions. And this is where this is one of the core differences between nursing and medicine, which is that while medicine focuses on instances or slices in time where individuals tend to be ill or injured, and then naming the condition that they are ill or injured with, and then treating that diagnostic label, nursing is much more interested in preventing those illnesses or injuries from the beginning, and then rehabilitating from those along a process that involves a continuous time interval. And so when nurses and nurse professors say things about nursing is process-based, as a methodologist, I think to myself, well, what you really mean is that it's a continuous distribution. And if you think about that, from one perspective, nursing often continually monitors patients' health status over time, whereas physician evaluations are typically time-limited, constrained, and periodic, and offer kind of discrete insights at slices in time along a timeline. Whereas again, the nursing practice element of it is sort of contiguous and along a continuous distribution, where it is sort of an unbroken stream of time that you're spending with and doing things for individuals, and then trying in sort of a primordial sense to prevent some of these things from occurring in the first place, and then continuing to rehabilitate them after these things occur. Medicine is interested in treating the disorder that they have diagnosed and labeled. 
once they have done that, once they perceive that they have done that or that they are unable to do that and they must step away, they're now outside of the domain of medicine. There are some physicians who are interested in extending themselves beyond that. There are medical practitioners who focus on preventive medicine, as they call it, and public health. But remember that one of the founding individuals of the entire field of public health and epidemiology was Florence Nightingale during the Crimean War. And a lot of this came out of the nursing understanding of the importance of the environment and health hygiene. And yet, you know, medicine and medical practitioners can practice in these domains as well, but it's not the typical, it's not the standard, and it deviates from the underlying philosophical assumptions of the field of medicine. Whereas in nursing, we're not as focused on the diagnostic labels per se, as much as we're focused on the continuous probability density distribution of the unbroken time interval of being with and doing for individuals across long timescales. Now, it could be a short time scale. For example, it could be that you are a nurse, like I am a nurse in the ICU, and your patient interactions are time limited. But during the time that they're there, there is a continuous, unbroken, intensive monitoring that does not end of the patient's status, and a prevention of worsening and a rehabilitation of functioning. That is very different than identifying and treating discrete categorical classifications that we call diseases, that we've named or labeled something in particular, and consider that the diagnosis and treating that thing. I'm not suggesting that that's not important, because clearly it can be very important. Although in many cases, it is not important because we have no real good evidence that we can actually treat those things. And in some cases, such as in medicine's um, conceptualization of psychiatric diseases, we often haven't labeled the thing properly in the first place. And so if we haven't labeled it properly, we can't treat the label because we're not treating a thing that exists exactly. Um, this is getting a little bit complex and off topic, but suffice it to say, I'm trying to drive home that medicine focuses on treating disease, which is a named and labeled diagnoses of discrete categorical conditions. That is their primary aim. And their goal is not to make people's lives better. Now, individual physicians, their goal might be to make people's lives better and improve quality of life. But the function of medicine, the goal of medicine, the philosophical assumptions underlying medicine is not about human enhancement and life quality or life satisfaction. It's not about improving self-management. Those are nursing considerations. It's about discretizing illness or injury, labeling it, and treating that. Which provides a fascinating avenue for the importance and the distinguishing components of nursing in comparison which is to say, if nursing is about preventing illness or injury, and then rehabilitating from it, and then continuing to find ways to help people improve their health experiences and their quality of life along an intensive time continuum, that is not, it's not bound necessarily by these time constraints, at least in theory, it is bound in practice if you're 
only in the hospital, for example. But this, I think, makes a really good argument for the extension of nursing practice into the community. But that's probably an interesting argument for a different podcast. So I think if you are asking yourself, what differentiates nursing from medicine given the overlap in the professions, I think that there are two common themes from this episode we can come away from thinking. A year ago when I made this episode, or a derivative of this episode, what I talked about was that even in the things that overlap between the professions, they are two overlapping bimodal distributions that are continuous distributions where at the means and the extremes, the professionals differ themselves. And I stand by that. But I would extend that in the following two ways. One, nursing is process-based and focuses on prevention and rehabilitation in living, healing, and dying. Nursing is not bound by the constraints of medical diagnosis per se, despite helping to implement medical care. It is bound by the process orientation of the attempt to improve health experiences and quality of life for individuals. The entire philosophical assumption of medicine predicates itself on categorizing and discretizing events and naming them with a diagnostic label and then treating that label. If they are successful at reducing symptoms associated with that label or curing whatever condition they have labeled with that name, then their job is done. Technically, that is where things begin and end for the profession of medicine. This itself is a unique and interesting distinguishing component to consider when you look at medicine versus nursing. The other thing I would contend is that, like my brilliant friend discussed with regard to looking at a painting that began with a different foundation or framework and had various different textures and colors layered in specific ways, destined to arrive at a unique destination or end point. Medicine and nursing is very much like this, because the philosophical frameworks, the conceptual models, are like the canvas upon which the first layers of paint are painted. And each layer on the path toward a particular endpoint gets you to a very different painting in the end. 